What's up, everybody? We are back. Welcome to Real Chronicles, brought to you by RealTalking.com. I am your host, Dave, celebrating a victory once again in the fantasy movie draft summer blockbuster. Whatever. I am joined with today my opponent, my wife, Jennifer. Your bitter Betty, Jennifer. I really wanted to dethrone you, David. Bitter Betty. And the man yeah, that has I come, called cl- it, I called it. and the man that has come closest to defeating me, and only I only beat him by I think fourteen or thirteen votes total. Leo, back again. <laughs> and this is how bad it is, Jenny. Last time I was on the show, I think I lost to David with that draft, and like, I I was like just Leo hasn't been back since for like two months. <laughs> so maybe I'm not coming back for a while. <laughs> no, you have the number two pick now in the Marvel fantasy draft that we are doing in two weeks. So you either are giving that number two pick to Ryan Ooh, or you are know. going to take the number two pick. And I can't give that to Leo. No, you have to give it to the people that were in the last draft. So it would have I'm to be. To we could we we we, we, we do a trade. We can trade like this is a fantasy for football cash, for cash consideration. This is not fantasy football. I'll Venmo, we cannot trade Debbie like for a Funko Pop, <laughs> and then we get the draft pick, and we then can, we're good. We cannot trade draft picks, um, <laughs> but this this was a close one. I'm glad that you know this was fun. this was fun. Uh, the next one will be in two weeks, like I mentioned, where we're gonna draft Marvel, and that should be fun because the following week we're going to rank every single Marvel movie ever released, and finally be able to talk about an MCU movie. Before that. Let's get into the news of the week. Actually, we're actually going to talk about another big Disney property, Pixar, today. It's celebrating its 35th anniversary. But before we get into that, some of the news of the week. Um, Leo, you watch everything on television, no matter what it is. You <laughs> show it's in syndication, I watch it. You watch, you, you've shown that once you saw Bridgerton, I'm like, nothing is off the table for Leo. <laughs> Have you seen Girls 5 ever yet? No, I have not. I have not. I have not. So, I, don't think I'm, I don't think I'm the demographic, but uh, I oh, have not. <laughs> Jenny is definitely the demo for that show, right, Jenny? Right. And it has been renewed for season two at Peacock. Jenny, you saw it. What did you think of it? Um, well, I didn't finish the whole full season. Um, I did see it. I liked it so far. Um, I like the, you know, I like the cast for the most part. Sarah Barry, uh, Bar- Sarah Borealis. I think I just butchered her last name. Um, she's a singer, but she also wrote and um, she wrote Waitress, the musical yeah. on Broadway, uh, among other things. And I do enjoy her music. And then you have Busy Phillips is in there. Um, and then Renee, I think Ellsbury. And she has another part of her name, too. But she was in Hamilton. Um, so she played one of the Schuyler sisters. And so it's good. Very, um, it very much reminds me, and I think Tina Fey produced it. So, I definitely have. It gives me a Thirty Rock feel with the tone 
of the comedy, almost like 30 Rock, Kimmy Schmidt kind of feel. Uh, 30 minutes, it's really, not even like 24 minutes, it's really easy to watch on uh, Peacock. And so, yeah, so I'm excited that at least it got renewed for season two when, you know, everything else keeps getting canceled on yeah. people. Um, next bit of news. We haven't seen her since Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Uh, if you guys remember who Julia Butters is, uh, she is she has been cast in the Steven Spielberg's inspired biopic film. So she works with Tarantino. And now she's working with Spielberg. So her wow. a- her agent, she has a very good agent. Let's just say that. Um did you like her once upon a time in Hollywood? I mean, you working with Leo. She like knocks that scene out of the park. Jennifer? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I actually knew her from, she was on the show on ABC that just got canceled after its fifth season called American housewife. She actually, after she did once upon a time, she decided to leave the show. And so this last season had someone that replaced her character on the show, which wasn't the same. And I have a feeling like that was also part of the reason why they ended the show and then ratings kind of dropped and I think they got moved around on the ABC time slot but she did a lot of great work on that show in the first couple seasons that she was on it and then she got Once Upon a Time and then from there she decided not to continue with the show so her agent was like nope we're taking you this other route so I I expect her fully to be in more movies than anything than television again. Agreed and she had one of the best scenes in the movie so I good for her yeah on the show she her character is very her character of anna cat is very similar very like quick spoken very witty very smart for being like this little kid like she's just very it's very ahead and the writing was really good on the show nice uh next bit of news uh elijah wood has been cast in toxic avengers reboot um am i the only one that likes toxic avenger i love it i've never seen it I definitely watched it. I think I rented that VHS from Hollywood Video and multiple times. Do you guys remember? Well, Jenny doesn't. Do you remember the animated show, Toxic yeah. Crusader? Um, do you know who's playing Toxic Avenger in this one, Leo? I, I did. I remember the, the, the news was dropped. I don't remember though. Peter Dinklage. Dinklage. All right. That should be great. And then the last bit of news. Uh, very very slow news week, but this is fantastic for sports fans like. Leo and myself, fans of The Office, and fans of Mindy Kaling, like Jenny. Uh, There is an L.A. Lakers-inspired Office comedy series coming to Netflix from Mindy Kaling, Elaine Coe, and Jeannie Buss. Wow. Jen, do you know who Jeannie Buss is? No, I don't. She's the owner of the Los Angeles Lakers. She's the only female owner in the NBA. Oh, yes, that lady. That lady, yes. That lady lady you once told me about. Didn't she have like a whole dispute with her family? That was her brother. Her brother. She fired her brother from the the team. I think Jeannie also had some stuff in there when she was was with Phil Jackson. She dated Phil Jackson, the old coach of the Bulls and coach of the Lakers. Yeah, so are they still together? I think. I think so. so, right? Yeah, yeah, I think so. Oh, interesting. Yeah, you should look that up. Jenny loves relationships, so. Uh, but this, this. <laughs> Jenny loves love. <laughs> yeah. Even bad rom coms. So. Um, They're not I, bad. I like this. I, this is this should be fun. I mean, I can I can just see Mindy Kaling doing great work on this. So hopefully she is the star of it because I could I think she can knock it out of the park. Uh, but yeah, it should be fun. Jenny, any thoughts outside of 
I know you don't care about anything sports, so you probably won't watch it because it has the word LA Lakers in it. No, I mean, I guess it depends on what kind of show it is. But uh, I am really excited for Mindy's other property on Netflix that's coming back in July. I don't know if it's July 7th, but it's it's early to mid-July. Um, Never Have I Ever. It's like a... I want to say young adult show, I guess, I suppose. So I'm really excited. <laughs> YA. And um, this, I didn't have this on the agenda, but um, Leo, did you see that awful Titans trailer? What do you mean awful Titans trailer? Shut I, up. I hated it. I hated it. You don't it. even watch the show. That's probably why I hated it so much. That's the, I'm like, yeah, well, that kid makes sense. Why is the Joker in this again? Joker's not in this, so they're making allusions to Joker. The, the, oh, the villain, okay. the, the villain that they're, they're they are going to do in this in this season is Scarecrow, and they cast they cast that old member of the Buffy the Vampire Slayer universe. Giles? Um, no, I wish that would be fantastic. No, the the kid that plays Connor, um, so he played Connor, who was Angel's son, and then he went on to Mad Men. Um, I forgot what the actor's name is though. Vincent yeah. Carthizer. Is that is that his name? The the kid. Uh... I think so. He's married to Alexis Bledel. No, 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 no. More oh, Girls. That might no? be him, actually. Yeah, it is. Yeah, he's playing Scarecrow. I think that's fantastic casting. Oh, interesting. Do they okay. did they tease? I mean, I, the trailer didn't show anything, but did they tease what type of Scarecrow he's going to be? Like, is it going to no, be like? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Just just name so far. The the show Titans is doing pretty cool stuff to like not go all in on the Batman universe, like to try to make it more about Dick Grayson and the Titans. So it's not, so, it's not Batgirl. I, it's not Batgirl. And I or Batwoman or whatever. Batwoman. Yeah. I don't, I don't see, they might give you like a kind of like, remember in um, the first times we saw the, the, uh, the Jared Leto Joker, we didn't really see him. We saw like the bat suit with graffiti on it. Yeah. We saw like the crowbar. I think we'll have that type of like, the aura of Joker, but we won't really see it. He hasn't been cast. I don't think they're going to go that route. I actually tried to start watching it again. I can't get past the th- th- uh, third episode. I have a heart. Wow. Yeah. Oh, same thing with the boys. I cannot I say, yeah, you don't like dude, the boys I started, either, right? I started it again two weeks ago. I cannot get past episode two. I find it so fucking boring. Well, the first couple of episodes are a little slow. I will yeah. say. So, then it picks up. So maybe by season three, I'll give it a shot. But yeah, that that's all the news for the week. Very slow. There's no Marvel news, no DC news for the most part. I'm, I'm, surpri- I'm surprised you didn't want to talk about uh, the act of uh, fellatio and the cunnilingus and its role within the oh, DC universe. I wasn't, but do you want to do you want to bring Jenny in this? I don't think Jenny knows what, what what's going on. I I do know what's going on. Am I living under a rock? <laughs> yeah, right. Well, because you know, heroes don't perform. Which oral sex crazy and uh did you see that Zack snyder tweeted yes a photo of i believe it's from a comic like a graphic novel um is it 34 i don't know i briefly re- read upon that um and he t- what did he i forgot what his uh, full tweet was oh canon he just tweeted the photo and then said canon um and that was his response to 
oral it's, sex. It's, it's crazy because I, I do believe that I can see Disney being this defensive about their property with saying like, no, we have to like find a way to like steer away from like uh, sexual gratuitous uh, just things. But Warner Brothers and DC, I feel like really you guys are the ones that are going to be like the, the moral police on this. Ironically, and then it's an adult show because Harley Quinn exactly. on HBO Max is not for kids. It's, it's an, not for it's kids. For adults. Kind of like South Park is for adults, and South Park throws out these jokes and these things. It's the exact same way. And why you can't do it because you're on a female-led cartoon? Can I can I ask you a, too much? Can I ask you a question? Did you see it, Leo? I haven't seen it. The, uh, what the show? The, the show Harley yeah, Quinn? No, no, I've seen the show Harley Quinn, but like yeah. that episode. No, no, no. So I, I don't think the season's aired. Yet. Oh, it's um, just coming on no, this it's, season. It's coming on, and it's it was coming, like cut yeah. out of the writing exactly. writers' room. Like they weren't allowed to do it. So I just hope he's in full uh, suit and cow. That's all I ask for. Uh alrighty. So let's move on to some Tribeca Film Festival recap. If uh, I'm not gonna go through every fuck movie I watched because there was a lot of stuff that we watched. Um, I'm just going to throw some highlights. Jenny, you can start since you saw some shorts yesterday. Oh, man. So I've been watching a lot of shorts. I'm going through my list of movies. Um, Two of the shorts that I really, really loved a lot was the first one was Death and the Lady. Um, And then the other one was called Blush. And uh, Blush was actually um, coming out of Skydance Animation. I believe it's their first short that they've had at Tribeca. Um, So I'll talk about Blush first. Um, Well, both of these shorts made me ball out cry um, by the end of it. They're not long. They're maybe 10 minutes. And I really hope that they they sort of get to go on YouTube later or other people are able to really see them. Um, Or even like maybe before a movie or whatnot. But Um, Really cool animation on both ends. Um, Both of them had like really strong stories. And by the end of it, I was bawling, Um, had same reaction as I did for the end (laughs) for the the part in Shawshank Redemption that made me bawl um, really bad. And I couldn't stop crying. And Dave's like, why are you crying? And then I'm like, because it's so sad. (laughs) Um, So Death and the Lady is basically about Death comes to visit this old woman who's sitting in her chair knitting on a rainy, stormy night. And her dog is sitting next to her on his bed, just like sleeping, hanging out. Um, There's a knock on the door. The lady answers it. uh, The dog, Jackson, already recognizes who Death is. The woman, you know, doesn't say anything. She just invites him in is like, do you want to warm up with a cup of tea? So she brings him into the kitchen. The dog starts going crazy because he's like, oh, my God, you're here to take my owner, blah, 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 blah. So he does everything he can to stop death from taking his owner. And I guess I can spoil it because in case no one else sees it. Um, And then towards the end of the short, this is like eight minutes of storytelling. So this is how poignant something so short could be. But by the end of it, Death tells him, you know, and just kind of waves to him and is like, no, I'm here for you, not your owner. And done. I was like, and so you kind of see the dog just like stop and is just like, oh, okay. And he realizes it, looks back at his owner, kind of says his own like goodbye to the owner with his eyes and follows death out the door and as he's leaving he takes a piss on the mailbox like he usually does and he just walks off with death almost like 
not a rainbow bridge, right? They say when you lose a pet, your pet will meet you over the rainbow bridge. But essentially, and he he just goes off with death and he goes and he just like accepts it. Done. Done. I like bawled my eyes out. And then the other one was um, called Blush. And basically, it's an astronaut that comes to Earth. Uh, well, comes to a planet that's desolate. There's no life. He's the only astronaut here. It, it reminded me of The Martian, so to kind of, um, just with the soul traveler. Yeah, yeah, he's I thought trying, so too. He's, yeah, he's trying to create life, um, and he has all these plants. He tries planting it. Nothing's working. All of a sudden, he's visited by, a, like, a UFO, an alien visitor. It's a female alien so to speak or a female life force and she's able to create life on that planet green plant all his things they start to form a friendship then they fall in love and then they end up having two babies together and then you realize towards the end of the short that um she ages at a different rate that he does and she ends up dying and with her death the whole planet starts become starts to become gray again and desolate. And then he being an astronaut with her there, he's able to breathe on the planet. And then when she dies, he can't breathe anymore. And then all of a sudden the lights go out and then he breathes back in and it's his two kids are hugging him and they have the same life force that the mother does. So they're able to revive him and revive the planet. And then they continue to live on that planet. And then, it, you know, the, the short ends. So bawling already. The short ends. And it's dedicated. The guy that wrote and directed it dedicated it to his wife, who I assume probably passed away because then it goes to a picture of her in memory and then a picture of their family together, two girls and Jenny, what what are you doing, Jenny? What, what, oh, so what, I'm. What, what, I'm like, no, I just want to say, like, it was such, those two shorts were my two favorite and the most powerful, and I didn't. I I went into this thinking this was going to be super happy, and it was so sad. Oh and I, so, I, I, it's funny. I saw David's tweet right about like yeah. about death and the lady, and immediately I was like, I was captivated. I'm like, it broke Jenny. This story. I'm like, oh, this sounds so like emotionally investing i'm like i can't wait to see this and now you're describing the story i'm like this is this is like pixar level sadness <laughs> it was it was definitely pixar level sadness and then my other favorite movie so far at the festival is mark mary and some other people and it's basically a rom comedy and i think it got bought so i think it should hit it won, theaters and it won, and it won screenplay at the yeah awards. it was it was really good um really strong a modern day rom uh, rom-com um, and it also introduced us to the idea of ethical non-monogamy if you've never heard of it it's basically swinging but with specific rules and more modern you know things so it was really it was a really cute comedy nice. and you needed that end- you, you, you needed a comedy after those <laughs> other two <laughs> yeah. david so I've seen 30 movies at the festival. Um, so I'm not going to go through all 30. Uh, I'll did say, any of them make you cry or get as emotionally invested as those two shorts did for Jenny? No, I didn't cry once. I almost did. Ten w- minutes short. It's not even, and I was Yo. done. Um, so some things I want to highlight. The um, most disappointing film I saw was Italian Studies. That's the Vanessa Kirby film. I figured Vanessa Kirby, she's on a roll. I'm like, let's see what's going on. She's great, but the movie is... It's a little pretentious to me, so uh, really nothing happens. She has amnesia, and I guess the director wants us to feel what 
amnesia feels like because oh, it's like the, the father kind of like how like, not even is... man the father's oh. actually a good movie um it's yeah it just didn't work for me but some stuff i did want to highlight documentaries that i did want to highlight all street to silent uh it talks about hip-hop culture and skateboarding in the 80s and 90s. It's really, really good. Uh, it talks about Jenny's favorite company, Supreme, and the, how they were just sold for $2 billion. Uh, Jenny was like, in your review, I'm going to put that they stole the logo from an artist. And then like two minutes later, they bring it up in the documentary. So Jenny's like, fine. I'm glad they brought it up. Um, and they then she's steal. And, and, and that artist, her name is Barbara Kruger. And then she's like, they didn't even mention her name. They just said artist. So wow. Jenny was very upset about that. But documentary overall was good. Um, Stockholm Syndrome, which is about the ASAP Rocky situation from a few years ago when they um, kept them in a Swedish jail. Very interesting because it like blends in the his bi- biography and how he came up as a rapper along with the incident. Uh, it's a nice blending of both. So I really enjoyed that. Wanted to highlight that. Uh, LFG which is about the women's national soccer team, the U.S. women's national soccer team, and their fight for equal pay. I did not – I actually kind of – it's my own fault. I haven't really kept up on kept on, kept up on it. So um, do you know how that whole situation ended, Leo? Well, I do know. I, I remember – like it's, it's funny because during the World Cups, right, the, mm-hmm. the women's World Cup, the men's World Cup, that's when, like, I get all in on soccer. I'm like, oh, let me, like, learn more about these players. And, like, the U.S., like, the U.S. women's team has always made the nation proud. Yep. In comparison Compared to, to the, the men, men yeah. Yeah. And it's like, yo, how could a team that's, like, the dream team of soccer not get the respect and the money that they deserve? Like, so, you invested in the men's team, and they keep letting us down. And I'm like, and the women's team was, like, fighting to even keep their league going. Like, so, the, yeah. I, so here's the defense that they had. So... Tech, they've invested the same amount of money in the the equipment, all that stuff. The pay, obviously, that's where the disparity, the disparity comes. But the defense for for the U.S., you know, whatever, they said that technically the women have been paid more, and they have because they've gone farther. So it's not equal pay. It's just they're that much better than the men that they're getting paid more because they're mo- yeah. moving further they, in tournaments. They, they've had to win the World Cup to beat exactly. the US. Yeah, yeah. So in the end, the jury dismissed the case. And wow. yeah, it, the ending did not go the way I thought it would. Uh, and the other document, two more documentaries I wanted to spotlight, or three more, uh, Kubrick by Kubrick, which is a Stanley Kubrick documentary. Nothing new there, but it does touch on his career through an, uh, one of his last lost interviews, which is very interesting. Uh, the Last Out, which I'm just about finished, it touches on uh, Cuban refugee baseball players. Uh, and they're struggling to make it. And then the Rita Moreno documentary, which is like so damn good. That's uh, fantastic timing too. Like if that, if that were to like uh, make it, I guess, uh, public before the before the West Side Story remake. Yeah, and she's gonna be in it. So it, yeah. It, and then uh, it's just regular films, uh, narrative films. Last film shows an Indian film that touches on. Um, a child, it's a coming of age story of, of a boy's first trip to the theater and how just it becomes it in. Sounds like a personal story. How did story. you not hear for that one? <laughs> um, has some of the best cinematography of the year. It really is like a touching story of like his family takes him to the theater because it's a religious film, but it's peace forbidden from going to the theater. So he sneaks off every day to go to the theater. 
and he made this. How did this not tug on your cold heartstrings? How well, did this not like? And it's funny because the movie actually one of the things I really like about it is it touches on the switch from uh, film to digital. Wow. And that kind of hit me because there's a scene towards not full spoiler, but there's a scene towards the end when they're taking all the film reels from the theater and they turn them into plastic. Like they, you see it go to the factory and what happens to these film reels. And I'm like, that kind of got me. I'm like, oh, my God, this is like crazy. This sounds cool. This it's sounds really, really cool. good. It's really good. Um, The Novice, which is like a psychological thriller. It's kind of like Whiplash meets Black Swan. Wow. Uh, it actually won Best Picture at Tribeca. So that is fantastic. And one of the best performances of the year as well. Uh, and my rom-com I want to highlight before we finish off is um, a Dating and New York. So, you know why? Remember we always joke about rom-coms and I always say I need... I think they're the most fakest thing ever because it really wouldn't happen. Like Jenny's, the one that she mentioned, and this one, they seem like they they they're in the real world. Like, you could see this happening. Like, the dating, ironic, the dating in New York is actually set up like a fairy tale. And That's it's ironic, too. And it, it yeah. takes place in the real world, but. And it touches on, like, the growth of dating apps and how, like, prevalent they are to young people meeting today. And um, you see this relationship form, and they have this contract that they can only they're only going to be sleeping together but they can't form any feelings for each other and you know how it goes you oh, know how like you... 500 days of summer all over again so but it is or friends with benefits it's better than no friends with benefits attached. yeah but it's it's i think it's better than friends with benefits and i really like friends with benefits but yeah that's uh it's one of my favorite of the festival you know i mean it's been a really good one and i saw the last movie i want to touch on uh, is uh, and I want to touch on some a few shorts here. I saw this movie called Clean that had its world premiere yesterday with Adrian Brody. So, just think: Have you seen Nobody, the movie with? Uh, oh my God, uh, Bob, Bob Odenkirk, Odenkirk, Bob Odenkirk this year? No, no, no. That, 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 yeah, it did look really. It's uh... in the same light. Like this guy is a former cleaner for oh, the, for the mob, and he. Uh, has he essentially loses a daughter and you find out early that he loses a daughter and he takes uh protect he starts protecting you know protecting a little girl and then something happens and turns to like this violent ending and the mob boss is actually the guy from joker the one that joker kills i forgot his name the bigger set the heavy set guy so he's like the main villain of the movie it's pretty good like it's you know it's not breaking the mold but it's really entertaining uh yeah and that covers tribeca you'll see all these reviews on the website uh we had a great time covering it and hopefully we'll be back uh next year so now what else did you see leo it's been a long time have you seen it's been a while it's been a while it's funny a lot lot of the time that i was away um it was it was honestly on freaking brooklyn 99 that show just was like way longer than i expected it to be um and that plus work it just i couldn't i couldn't binge to my full potential but uh brooklyn 99 was a really it was a funny show and andy sandberg surprised me with his his range in it he wasn't as silly but he still kind of was sometimes unbearable so does that Um, mean you're uh gonna watch palm springs so immediately after i finished it i watched palm springs 
And um, it was good. I, I don't know if I would have been as hyping it as like as you and, and the rest of the gang was. Oh. Like, this is like the greatest rom-com I've seen in years. Like, oh, it, so it, was, it, it was a cool concept. I did love like the, like the, the, the backdrop of what was happening to the characters. That was a really fresh take on that whole repeating the thing the day over and over and over again. Mm. Um, but, but no, I, I, I liked it. I didn't. I won't say I loved it. I won't say that I was like, "Oh my gosh, I can't wait for this to get nominated." It's Logan um, all over I'll say again. That I, I liked it. It was cool. No, but it's, <laughs> it's just a lot. A lot of it is because of Sandberg, though. Sandberg is this, and I I don't like the uh, the main actress, uh, the one from. Uh, you oh just, no! This is yeah. this is Logan all over again. You're breaking my heart. I love her. I saw on HBO Max that she's on, so I want to give it one. I want to give that show a chance to see how like if I can get like behind her. Um, and she's in Wolf of Wall Street. Yeah, yeah, no, yeah, it, it, for like a, a little bit. I liked Not it. Much. I liked it. I, like I said, I liked it. I love the premise. I like the storyline. I like the the fresh take on that concept. Um, I watched In the Heights, <laughs> um, which I I loved, and I think uh, we Dave can't and talk, I have talked a we lot can't about talk, it offline. We can't talk about that movie anymore, Lee. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> Why? Uh, oh, it's like about it a lot. no, it's like Public Enemy number one now. So. Yeah. Oh yeah, it's not going as well as as it could have for the Latino yeah, community the, in that movie. The uh, the Oscar chances of that movie are pretty much close to well, done yeah, now. Yeah, it went down. There's... But a good that music... kind of sucks though. It really yeah. does suck. And here's a little rant. Oh no! Like, oh it no! Just, it does really suck because the thing is, is that you're watching a movie. When when do you watch a movie as a Latino as a Latina where you have the entire cast of Latin Hispanic yeah. origin. Okay. And I understand it's not perfect, but it's not meant to be perfect. It's meant to break ground and lead the way forward to tell mm-hmm. more stories and to green light. If you put all your money behind it and you supported it, you're telling the studios, okay, this movie, this story was worth telling because this is where it's coming back at us. But now let's go tell another story. Let's go add more of this, more this, more that. But now you've just shown them that you are interracial bickering Mm -hmm. about it. And I understand, like, you want to be seen. And I get it. I think you should be seen. But I think now you've also done a disservice to trying to get more of those stories out there because now you're bickering and you're like, nitpicking about something without letting it be exactly what it is in that and and this was lynn's story this is his perspective and that's not to say that there aren't other perspectives out there that could be greenlit and could be told but this is his story so you also can't i don't think it's fair to completely fault him for for what his experience is and what he's telling to be his own truth so to speak he is yeah. not responsible for being the, the savior of everybody and getting everything right. That's like putting responsibility. It's not fair to do that. And he came out and he said, okay, I'm listening. Mm-hmm. I think that's what matters, you know? Um, and then I know Rita Moreno came out in defense of Lynn and her comments came off like old lady comments. <laughs> Yeah. Like it's an it's an old world view, which it's not an excuse to excuse her for, but it's it's realizing, you know, it's just that that perspective. But that doesn't yeah. make or break. And you're going after her, but it ain't gonna do much. 
And so, yeah. I don't know. I just, you know, I think the movie overall was a great movie. It was a great mm-hmm. musical. I think they did a terrific job. You know, I think the fact that you have all this representation on screen that you don't get very often. And and not even, like, not because of anything, but a lot of the time the representation that you do get is Mexican heritage. You get a lot of Mexican exactly. heritage that you yep. get seen very often. And we're going to talk about a movie that I think is beautiful and beautifully done. And it's going to come up in our Pixar list, but that's Mexican heritage. Mm -hmm. You don't relate the same way, but In the Heights gave you a whole range. You had Mm -hmm. Cuban, Puerto Rican, Guatemala, like you had everybody throwing it out. You know, it was a big range of people. So, you know, yeah. Yeah. And don't get me wrong. I I just think, you know. And it's not a matter of to be grateful for whatever we get. It's just a matter, and you have every right to speak out, and that's fine. But I think you shouldn't just totally bag on something a hundred percent. Like I don't know. I don't. I just don't think it's being fair either. Yeah, I think I think the Latino community they they're not oh they're not even they're not seeing the big picture. They're seeing like right. this momentary rage of like like this population. And don't get me wrong, like the three of us are we're fairly light skin, right? We 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 oh, we, yeah. we, we we never had that that world of being like a, an Afrocentric Latino, um, an Afro. Yeah. So like, I understand that that we pass. Yeah. So that that's, that's, that's a different struggle and I respect that struggle. But like, as, as, as Latinos, we're missing the point. Like, like you said, no studio is going to want to invest in telling any Latino stories because now they're all going to come with the pot, the potential for racial backlash. It's like, right. well, we'll, stick, we'll just stick to Mexicans then. We know that Mexicans are cool. Let's stick to Colombia because we know that Pablo Escobar movies do well. Yep. Like, and then they continue to perpetuate the same horrible stereotypes. Exactly. Not every exactly. Colombian is addicted to cocaine. Exactly. Not every Cuban mafia is, you know, shooting up a place for cocaine or whatever. Like, yeah. you know, they're perpetuating the yeah. continuous... People think I sound like Al Pacino and Scarface, and I don't sound like that. Oh, you're Cuban. You must you must be like yeah, this like drug lord in Cuba. Like, well, I'm in Cuba, maybe, but I'm not a drug lord. (laughs) (laughs) Well, like it just doesn't like it's you know. And even if you you do watch the Rita Moreno documentary, she does talk about how her beginning in Hollywood, she was just cast into all these roles where she had to paint herself the color of mud like she had to darken herself she even was darker in west side story when you see her she's darker than she really is and you know she had to play all of these native people or all of you know those were a lot of her roles because she needed to work and so she took whatever she could get and it was always being the mistress to to some white man or or doing this or doing that and you know she did what she could but it wasn't yeah, yeah, it just, yeah. I, we'll see. We'll see. I, know. I don't I'm know. I have it. a feeling we're not going to see a very big, you know, Latin cast. For well, a I, long I, time. I do, I do hope that maybe the our, our people can get it, our act together by West Side Story's time. I know, <laughs> I know, Jenny, I know how you feel for West Side Story. And I, trust me, I have a very, very, very deep part of my soul that loves that movie. But, like, we need some type of positivity and unison. This but, is also like the issue there too. Uh, it's a white man. It is. It is. It's ironic if if that it one does well. Man, a white rich billionaire telling the story of of West Side Story. Now, the original West Side Story was also white men. Yes. They were all white men. Leonard yes. Bernstein, uh, uh, 
what's the choreographer, uh, Jerome Robbins, like all these people were white men. And I don't agree with the, the painting and the not casting of Latino actors, but this was what, 1961 or 60. Yeah. 61. So it was different times. It is what it is. The story overall, I think is beautiful. The choreography, the music, like it's fantastic, but like we're bagging on in the Heights, but it was at least created by a Latino, a Puerto Rican, I think he's mixed, actually. I think he has... Um, but anyway. Yeah. Like, at least you had a story coming from someone that has lived the experience. Mm-hmm. Sorry, Steven Spielberg, but you haven't... You don't know. You may know what it might be to be a, a, a jet in white, you know, New York City. But you don't know what it means to be a shark. You don't know what it means to come from another and immigrate from another country. Maybe yeah. his parents do. You get chased by Officer Krupke? You don't know that yeah. life. <laughs> I think his parents, what, were of, well, he's Jewish, but I don't know where if his parents immigrated from somewhere else before he was born, because I think he was born here. But anyway, we could go back and forth with this. I, I think that movie's, like, I think that movie's going to have more than just that problem. So, I mean, we'll, we'll, we'll see in December. That... Well, other than the Heights, my, uh, my superhero fascination was, uh, <laughs> was fulfilled by, so I watched Invincible on Amazon Prime. It's like an eight, eight to ten episode animated series that's very much in the vein of Dave's favorite, The Boys. Um, mm, that's probably why I didn't like Invincible. So I, I loved it. I loved yeah, it. Yeah, I, I, everyone's loved it. I literally, yeah. it's crazy. I'm such an opposite with like The Boys and Invincible because everyone has loved them, and I'm like, yeah, eh. Invincible is. A, I like, I like the take. I like, I like that, that, that take of like, and it's funny because the other show that I watched was called um, Jupiter's Legacy on Netflix. The one that got canceled already. The one that got can- I, I literally finished watching it the day after um, that it, it got canceled, and I'm like, "Oh man, this show was so good." Um, it, but that one gave me more of like a um, Watchmen slash Boys feeling. Very, it, it, it was gritty, it was realistic, but it was very um, Watchmeny. Nice. Uh, but but both of those shows, Dave. I think the one thing that they did show me is. Superman can be an actual entertaining character because there's the Superman surrogate for all those shows had a lot of depth to him, and and the way that um, Tyler Tyler Hoechlin on on Superman and Lois is going it, I'm like you know what I I have a newfound appreciation for Superman stories. Did you finish that? Yeah, I'm still up to date on that. I have to finish it. Uh, I never came back after the mid season because I'm waiting for HBO Max to just throw them all up there to finish it up but uh, i love the show so far anything and of course loki right yeah loki and one thing uh, it's like a maybe not, not as popular but a show that i, I if you're into if you're training vampire stuff and um and if you're into taika with tt's comedy um what we, what do, we do in, in the, the shadows, shadows yeah oh my lord i thought it was one of the stupidest funniest shows and the way they integrate vampire lore into it was i loved it i, I have I to really see i want to see the movie the taika movie before i see the yeah. show i was gonna do the reverse like let me see the show and see how this goes and then we'll see what inspired it but yeah but then, yeah that's it for me and then yeah loki loki and, yeah uh, we'll talk about it in a second jennifer uh i saw loki as well uh i just finished brothers and sisters on hulu Ooh, and jenny that's, that's literally i just put that on my list like yesterday how is oh that? did you really i've yeah. actually so this is my second this is my like second or third re-binge because I hadn't watched it in a while um, it's good it's like your typical ABC drama it okay. has a really good cast um, there's a lot of people in it Sally Field Callista Flockhart um, 
who else? Uh, Dave Annabelle. Like, there's a lot of good people on it. So I think you'll like it. I think the show does. It reminded me of the end, obviously, when I finished watching it. Um, the show ended up getting canceled after the fifth season. But it did have a last episode, at least, that wrapped up the story for everyone. Okay, cool. Cool. Essentially, so they, I think they didn't know when they did the episode that they were being canceled, but I think they probably had an idea because you kind of end it where where everyone has some sort of resolution. At least, you know, I hate when, like, if you're going to cancel a show, at least let give them one more season and let people finish up a story. You, you know, you ask people to be invested in these shows and then you want them to watch the first season. But why are you going to watch the first season if, if it's not guaranteed to come back? Yep. You're wasting people's time. You're wasting your money. So, like, give a show at least one or two seasons, like two seasons to at least be able to. If you decide the ratings aren't great enough, then you can wrap it up. Um, I think now that that's going to be a whole other issue, I think, I don't know if Netflix is going to decide to pick up Manifest because it's gained no- notoriety again yeah, now. Yeah, yeah. That, uh, I think it was NBC that canceled it um, after three seasons, but didn't give it a story to wrap up. So now you have this lost like mystery going on and you didn't get it. Like I only watched the first season and I hadn't continued, but I was like, oh, I'll just wait. But now I don't even have to. But it's such a shame. You have people that yeah. invest in these shows and you're not giving them anything. So I did. So I highly recommend Brothers and Sisters. And really, I guess that's it. I've been watching a lot of my I Love Lucy reruns over again that I've watched millions and millions of times. Nice. And and then Tribeca, just covering, watching Tribeca shorts and crying. You've been crying, crying during yeah, the shorts. Yeah, <laughs> crying at my Tribeca shorts. And you saw Raiders of the Lost Ark for the first time oh, yesterday. Oh, yeah. I did that yesterday. How are you going to bury... <laughs> and Temple of Doom. Um, wow. I did. I saw those two yesterday. Yes, because I had never really seen them as a kid. Huh. Um, obviously, like I knew in, who Indiana Jones was and, you know, like certain little things and clips you see and obviously Disney World and the stunt show and like all this other stuff. Um, but I hadn't seen it. So I did. I very much enjoyed Raiders of the Lost Ark. I enjoyed the female lead as well, Marion. Um, kind of a shame she didn't come back for Temple of Doom. She'll be back. Uh, no, she's not. She doesn't come back, David. That doesn't count. That does. That movie should See, not count. We actually yeah, spoke. We actually spoke about that because I'm like. She comes back later. Much I, older. I told. Uh, I told Jenny. I'm like. I don't think you're gonna hate Crystal Skull like everyone else does because I don't hate Crystal Skull. I hate the choice that they make with the aliens in Crystal Skull. But the movie itself. Well, we gotten there, yeah, we'll get there soon. But yeah, we're 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 up to Last Crusade. So that's then, awesome. Uh, I love Last Crusade. That's my favorite. Temple of Doom, the lead, the female lead there, not a fan of, although that is Steven Spielberg's wife, became his wife like six years later. Um, and her mother, she is the mother of an actress that I used to watch on Grey's Anatomy, Jessica Capshaw. So, but her whole character was super annoying and we could have done without. Um, Temple of Doom was good. I think I enjoyed Raiders a lot more, though. I would I hope so. Temple- yeah, Temple of Doom was just kind of slow for me in the beginning. Believe it or not, it didn't. I didn't find the opening as, as like, fun as the first one. Jenny needs heads opening. being popped off. Yeah, like I don't know. I need some, some of that action and then the score, John Williams score. Um, yeah. So, but then it picked up and it got better. It got better towards like the half of the movie, towards the end. Um, and the woman grew on me, but she still wasn't. She was no Marion. I don't know. Marion had a lot of feist. I felt like she was a strong lead. She, too, was also running in heels, um, just so we know. It's, in, 19, like, it's 1982 or 1981. Yeah, the, whole, like, 
in Cairo, they're wearing. She's well, nineteen thirty-seven, actually, if we're going by the by when yeah, the movie actually takes these place. Wedges, and then in this other scene, she's got you know the guy makes her put in put on the white dress, and then she's wearing these white heels, and I'm like, uh, of course. And so, uh, yeah, but she is a strong lead. She's she gives a little spunk. Harrison Ford is quite foxy in both these movies. So let's see how foxy he is on in the third one. Jenny's uh, just looking Sean forward Connery to Sean Connery without a shirt on. With that gray. Last crusade, baby, last crusade. Yeah. Uh, and then, like, I just don't know that, I don't know, did we need, like, almost 80-year-old Harrison Ford now yes. in, like, this fifth movie that's yes. coming up? Like, yes. How fast is he really going to be? Yes, we do. Know. And we're gonna, and Short Round's going to come back, I hope. <laughs> I just love I love I love Temple of Doom. I'm one of uh, one of those Temple of Doom apologists. I really do enjoy do enjoy that as well. And uh, I just love when he's like Doctor Jones. No time for love. <laughs> it just cracks me up every time he says it. But uh, on my end, uh, the same movies as that Jenny mentioned, and um, I also have for next week's podcast. I saw every Fast and the Furious movie plus for um, the one that's coming out. Oh, that fucking franchise. That uh, franchise is that's French. They, If they would have stopped at seven when Paul Walker died, I think it would have been a top-tier franchise like of all time. Seven, and that eight, was a great ending, too. Yeah. They, they would have chose to end it there. I was like, that, that, that was like, great, the way they brought back the brothers to help with like some of the reshoots. I'm like, this could be the greatest bow on a franchise mm-hmm. ever. Like, eight, I, I'm rewatching it for the first time since we saw it in theaters. I don't like it at all. Eight is... Eight is near the one of the worst of the franchise. Who's the villain in eight? Um. Oh my god. Charlize. Charlize. Yeah. Okay. I know. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And then she. I think she's the villain in this and John Cena. So, in the new one. So we'll we'll be seeing we'll be seeing that next week. Uh, I saw some kind of wonderful for the first time. Shout out to Jenny on that one and 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 JC. They've been on me and I loved it. I thought it was fantastic. And JC, yeah, your wife has been telling you to watch it. It's one of my favorite movies, and I've been trying to get David to watch it for years. Oh, no, but when JC tells you to watch it, and he's going to listen to me now. Well, I bought, well, to defense of both of you, I didn't watch because of you or JC. I bought, I you're bought, a Blu-ray snob. I just got it because it had a steel book that I liked, so oh. I bought it. And David didn't want to watch it on my old DVD. No, what are we animals? Just... Oh my gosh, he was the same way with Dogma. Remember? He yeah. Was like, oh no, I no, can't no, watch no, 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 no. The Blu-ray snob. Um, and then Luca, which we'll talk about in a in a little bit, and then Loki. Yes, we did see Luca. Silencio, uh, Bruno. So with with Loki, let's just get into it real quick, and then we uh, finish up with Pixar. So Leo, I'm glad you're here. I have a lot of questions. <laughs> <laughs> I Wait, can, can I say I'm... something real quick? What? I'm kind of digging Owen Wilson with that gray hair. Gray Owen I don't Wilson, know. right? I don't think I like him with that platinum blonde hair he does, but the gray hair, not too bad. I dyed my hair gray yesterday. You didn't. Um. All right, Leo, I have questions. Do you have answers for me? I can tell you confidently that this is a realm of Marvel comics that I do not know too much about, but I'll, I'll try. Okay, cool. All right, let's start with something I brought up last week to Ryan uh, and Jenny, and I bring it up to you. I think we spoke about this off the line. I originally had an issue with the Infinity Stone-ish scene, but speaking to you, you kind of helped me. You calmed me down, and going back two weeks now, I've let it, you know, sink into my head here a little bit they exist 
they couldn't go and just give them to the Avengers because it's not what was supposed to happen. Did I get that right? Yeah, that's what I'm saying too. And I think I think as a Back to the Future person, you also kind of understand like events mm-hmm. have to kind of just. And Doctor yeah. Str- and this, if they did give it to them, it would go against Doctor Strange's vision that only one way of these things would work. Okay, precisely. So yeah. I feel better about that now. Um, and the fact that they're just, you know, they're just sitting there because they're useless because they magic doesn't work there. Correct. Cool. Yeah, exactly it. Yeah. L- Lady Loki. She's not Lady Loki, is she? I think she's. Jenny pointed at something. She's someone else, isn't she? Yeah, so I um when everything there was like a, a cassette photo that leaked and everyone saw this like uh um I forgot what her, the actress's real name uh Dina or Gina I think it's uh, but when they first saw that like, she's like wearing Loki type clothing everyone jumped to the she's got to be a Loki variant but then they there was been like a screenshot of like the foreign language casting and her name the name of the character that's credited is Sylvie. And Sylvie is actually the real name of a Loki tied character in the comics uh, named Enchantress, who has very similar powers to what this character. I is. hope this Enchantress is better than the other Enchantress from the DC world. So ironically, Enchantress has been in the MCU before, but it was on the show Shield, Agents of Shield. Interesting. So they had a it was a one episode arc, but I, I agree. I hope this is better than uh, Cara Delevingne's Enchantress. And my last question: That's Kang the Conqueror, isn't it? Who's King the Conqueror? One of the the three. The ones I don't that, think so. You don't no, think? I, don't, I don't think it's Kang, but I will say in episode one. One of the timekeepers? One of the timekeepers. One of the timekeepers. I don't think so. But I you know I'll, I'll, I'll rewatch just to, just to double check. I don't think it was Kang, though. Who, who I know do, one, one of what the were weapons you thinking? in episode one, I know that. Well, I'm thinking Loki might be a known timekeeper. I think that the timekeepers themselves might be another Loki. Uh, Loki mischief type thing. Interesting. There's a rumor going around that Loki may have all this time be, been Mephisto. That would be dope because I know Mephisto and Loki have they have a history in the comics together too. Yeah, I I'm enjoying the ride. I think. Yeah. I mean, there's nothing I can never not enjoy Marvel. I'm just. Uh, so, did you catch the when they're going through in episode two when they're going through the list of uh there was another Marvel uh, another another X Men um oh I missed it what was it. Dude, so they're going through the list of like all the um, all the apocalypses, and they're going through like, oh, this year you this year this this year you this. They said in 2050, Krakatoa erupted, and there were no survivors. Krakatoa was the name of this island, this living island that attacked the X Men, and um, and it it took it took the original team. It kidnapped the original team. The original team had lost, which meant Xavier had to call a new recruits to go save them. This is when he recruited Wolverine, Storm, Gambit, the X-Men that we grew up with. Interesting. All, all new, all Colossus. Um, so when they mention Krokotoa, that's just another little building block towards X-Men. I think we're getting, I, I think we're getting close to... I mean, I think we're going to get so much in the... Mul- and the multiverse essentially was created at the end of the episode, right? Pretty much, yeah. What they're saying now, it's like, this is going to open up like the floodgates with possibilities. Now. Yeah, so we have four more episodes to go and then a break. Then we go back to the movies with uh, Black Widow. Finally. And Finally. <laughs> it's going to be weird. Two hours and we're done. Not sit down every week. But uh, I'm looking forward to Black Widow and then we get Shang-Chi, The Eternals, and then Black, uh, I think we should do finish the year with um, Hawkeye. 
and show, right? yeah, and I think Miss Marvel's done, so I think we should be getting that relatively soon too. So, uh, yeah, Marvel's great. I can't wait for more. And Jenny, did you want to add anything else before we go to Pixar? Nope, I'm good. Cool. So let's talk about Pixar celebrating its 35th anniversary. I uh, I first saw it. And Jenny texts me correcting me. She's like, Pixar is not 35 <laughs> years old. It's 26. I'm like, I'm not doing a 26 year anniversary of something. It's 26 years since its first release. However, Pixar actually got its start in the 70s with, when New York Institute NYIT founder Alexander Shore, who was, sta- who was the owner of a traditional animation studio established a computer graphics lab and recruited computer scientists who shared ambitions about creating the world's first computer animated film. Um, Pixar itself, you know, the company name was not created until a little later. And I'm going to get into that, but that's kind of where the first cookie crumbs fell back in 1974. Um, Eventually George Lucas took interest because of, you know, the technologies that he was working on with ILM and wanted to see what he can, you know, put to put together with this group. Um, John Lasseter was hired in 1983 and he's persona non grata now, but he was hired in 1983 and he actually, um, thought of the name. So in the next few years, a designer suggested naming a new digital composing computer, the picture maker, uh, Smith suggested that the laser-based device have a catchier name and came up with Pixar, which after the meeting, it was changed to Pixar. So we move forward to 1986, and Pixar was officially created after a certain someone that we know very well purchased the name and company. Do you guys want to know who purchased Pixar in 1986? Any guesses? Steve Jobs. Steve Jobs. I think that Jenny's was, was my, Jenny's oh, yeah. reading it, and I see it. <laughs> Jenny forgets we're on camera, and I know she's reading it off somewhere. I'm not reading it. I read his autobiography by Walter Isaacson. Um, it's a really, it's really big, and that's actually I think what that's the movie good. Jobs was based off of. But it's like a 500, 600 page book, but it's really good. Yeah, really the movie's good. really good too. So, so Steve Jobs. Steve for anyone that is not aware of what happened to Steve Jobs. So in 1985, he had been essentially fired from Apple. And then he was now founder and CEO of the, of the new com- computer company Next. And on February 3rd, 1986, he paid $5 million of his own money to George Lucas for technology rights and invested $5 million cash as capital into the company, joining the board of directors as chairman. And Pixar from there was born. And then nine years later... Toy Story was released, and that became the first Pixar movie to ever be released, and away we went. So um, I'm going to get into a few things here, but before we get into that, what is the first Pixar film you ever saw? Leo. Oh, I guess, I guess Toy Story, right? <laughs> I mean, yeah. I, yeah. I, 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 yeah, started... I was going to say, David, I was like, Toy Story. <laughs> I, I don't know. Some people started late with Pixar. I know oh, some people that didn't start with Till the Bug's Life. So it's funny though because like it's a good it's a great call out and like with that history of what a timeline of how we got here because like oh there's a whole generation of children that the way we remember the Disney movies like Little Mermaid Cinderella mm-hmm. Snow White that's how they look at Pixar yeah like Toy Story was their first just animated film of all time 
And like I remember like being a Disney kid and seeing like the the, the animated the classic animation and then going into like seeing like Woody and Buzz. I'm like, whoa, this looks so cool. And I think everyone all of a sudden wanted to be a graphic designer and work with computers to just try to like create their own little cartoons. Uh, but yeah, no, Toy Story for me was my, my first Pixar movie. Jennifer, same to you. Yeah, Toy Story, I would yeah. say. S- um, s- same for me. I don't necessarily per se remember. I mean, I don't know if I... No, I must have seen it in theaters. I mean, 95, I was a theater moving movie kid. So, yeah, I probably saw it in theaters. Yeah, same for me. I've been here from the start. So, uh, the, you know, some better than others that we're going to get into in a bit. But, yeah, Toy Story was my first. And, yeah, I've loved it ever since. Uh I can't wait to talk about the Pixar theory with Leo because I don't think he knows anything about it. I can't wait. No, no, I know. Oh, it's you do? Like, it's like, like the first cinematic universe and how oh, everything is it's connected. Together. Yep. I so love it. I love that theory. I'm going to bring that up in a second. I do have some quick facts about Pixar as a whole. So did you guys know that Pixar used to make commercials? So before Pixar was the major animation studio, they used to be in the business of making commercials, and they actually work with brands such as Tropicana, Listerine, and Lifesavers. Interesting stuff. Uh, Every Pixar film has Easter eggs and references. This is not the theory as a whole, but just in general. When films can sometimes reference to other films and certain... uh, With Pixar. In 1986, the studio's first short, Luxo Jr., featured the Luxo Ball. The toy eventually made it into what movie? What was the first time we saw the Luxo ball, which is now the Pixar ball? Wasn't that Toy Story 1? Yep. Yeah. Toy Story 1. Um, what Another big thing from Toy Story that we, get in, we have gotten in almost every single Pixar movie is what? Any the guesses? Pizza like? Planet? Pizza Planet? You're close. Oh. It does deal with Pizza Planet. Jenny, do you want to guess? The truck. The truck. So the truck has been in almost every single Pixar movie except like Brave and, and stuff like that. Oh. Um, and then Keen fans will also notice that A113 throughout a lot of the Pixar films. A113 is a room used uh, by the animation department at CalArts, a school named Pixar animators attendant. Uh, number three, Wally is the first Pixar film to feature a live action. So Pixar has always been an animation studio uh, in terms of their films. Uh, But in 2008, apart from featuring uh, the story that we see with Wally and Eva, there is a film playing. Jenny, do you know what movie is playing? This is you. This is old Hollywood. I know, I know, but I don't remember the movie. Is it It's a Wonderful Life? No, it's Hello, Dolly. 1969. Uh, Number four, Buzz Lightyear was almost played by someone else. Do you guys want to take a guess of who was going to play Buzz Lightyear? Who was big in those days? 95, 94. Was he a sitcom person? Yes, and I can help you. I can give you a hint that he eventually did join the Pixar universe in a very iconic role. Keanu. (laughs) (laughs) Jenny? I don't know. Billy Crystal. Oh. Oh, wow. That's a good one. Yeah, he actually turned it down. I think it worked out for the best. Um, yeah, yeah, I think it worked out. Um, next up, Up's opening scene originally had dialogue. So one of the most beloved parts of Up is, we know, the opening, which we'll talk about it later. But um, there was originally an idea for the sequence to have moments of them completing each other's sentences uh, in conversation. But I think the way what we got is what worked much better. Just no, no dialogue, just a full-on score. Jenny, do you agree? 
I agree. I think you should watch the another first one ten... that made me cry. I, I think can't sh- watch that today. You haven't seen it since we got married, right? No. Well, you should watch no, it. Maybe not. You should but watch it. No. You should watch no, it. Then I'm gonna cry again. Trust me. Watch I watching can't it cry after again. watch it watching it after you're married has such a bigger fucking impact on your life. I've allotted all my tears for this weekend. Um, I only have a few more facts here. Toy Story Two was actually almost lost. It was uh, an animator accidentally deleted most of the film's assets from Pixar servers. Uh, the wow. backups were discovered to be unusable. So technical director Galen Suzman, who was working from home due to her newborn child, actually had backups of the assets on her computer. And the team was able to recover the movie that way. Wow. Leave it to a woman to save the day. I knew Jenny was going to say that. Um, yeah. Toy Story is the first film ever to be made entirely of CGI. Okay. Shows everything that that th- that movie did. This was my favorite because I know Jenny's going to have a reaction to this one. Monsters Inc, we love Boo, right? Okay. Definitely. So, Absolutely. So adore her. You're going to adore this. Boo was originally set to be a grown man. Uh, so before Pixar went through several iterations of Boo, Boo was supposed to be a grown man who stumbled upon the monster world. Jenny, do you think that would have worked? No, it's way cuter for it to be a little girl. Agreed. Um, and then last two here, their biggest flop. So the, biz- the biggest success for Pixar has made three times their biggest flop. Do you know what their biggest flop would be financially? I w- the Good Dinosaur. I know I see, Jenny's I definitely looking this up. Jenny's looking it up, and I, I'm not looking it up. So the answer is the Good Dinosaur, uh, but the movie. I have my rank list ready to go for when you tell us. The movie actually did make 329 million dollars, so it's a quote unquote flop, but it's not really it's not flop at all. Uh, and then finally, during one lunch at Hidden Sitting Cafe in 1994, uh, the group created a Bug's Life, Monsters Inc. Finding Nemo and Wally. They were all conceived during one lunch in 1994. Wow. That's good. Absolutely. That's a power lunch, baby. Yep. So the Pixar theory. And then we'll get into our list. Um, I love the Pixar theory because I love universes and I love everything connected. I don't know how much this works now because there's been so many Pixar movies since this yeah. theory actually created. But I'm going to run through here. So it starts with Brave. Uh it all starts with, how do you say her name? Because I never get it right. Mieda? Nope. No, Merida. not Mieda. Merida. Merida. <laughs> she dis- uh, discovering the will of the wisps. The magic turns her mother into a bear. This magic is why animals and inanimate objects believe- behave like humans. Magic was utilized by a witch who mysteriously vanishes through wooden doors. Eventually, the magic from this will of the wisps would lead to the birth of superheroes. The Incredibles. Incredible. Superheroes maintain order in the world, but Buddy, a wannabe superhero, created two things for the demise of superhero power. Self-serving AI bots and a high-tech zero-point energy. This is a pivotal moment where we see machines aerodictating in, in, their threat supers. Eventually, toys start to absorb and draw their powers from zero-point energy, unseen energy that travels wavelengths which leads into toy story 
The first signs of life from toys are now present due to Syndrome's technological powers. Toys come up with the code of rules and learn that human love is another energy source upon which they thrive. These toys discover what happens to toys that are isolated from humans, which continues on in Toy Story 2. Toy Story 2. Sorry, good job, Jenny. The toys discover that it is dangerous for them to be isolated from humans. We start to see inanimate objects question their purpose in life. Resentment towards humans was not only carried by inanimate, inanimate objects, but animals as well, which leads to, Jenny? Animals? Finding Nemo. Nemo. Oh, Finding Nemo. <laughs> oh, Finding Nemo. Oh, yes. The written, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. In the ocean, we find that fish are incredibly advanced. They have schools, a network, and freeway system. We discover that humans are polluting the earth and experimenting on them. Dory was one of the animals that was experimented on, which is why she is forgetful. There are signs of resentment growing towards humans for polluting the environment, stealing fish, and caging them. This is uh, Leonardo DiCaprio's biopic, apparently. Animals begin to be more curious and carry more humanistic characteristics, which leads to... Any guesses? Monster Zing? Ratatouille. Oh, Ratatouille. In Ratatouille, Remy discovers his love for cooking and displays human characteristics. Some of them are walking on his hind paws, cleaning his hands, reading, and cooking. This is the first time we see personal interaction between human and animal, but it is for the purpose of controlling humans. Remy controls Linguini because Linguini does not know how to do anything. We see that Remy's rat clan does not approve of the humans and feels both Fear and hate towards them. Ultimately leading into Toy Story 3. Okay. Three years later, toys toys have gone through a lot with humans. If you've seen the movies, you can tell why most of the toys have had it. Lotto and Hug Lotto the Hugging Bear straight up hates humans because they use and discard toy objects like nothing. Carl <clears throat> he starts trying to take care of his own kind. This provides yet another reason why machines and objects alike are ready to take over. Carl and Ellie write to Andy telling him to get rid of his toys because they know the animosity between toys and humans coming ahead. And that's why they are planning on living on solitude, which leads to Wally. I just said Carl and Ellie, Jenny. I gave you I gave you the easy one. (laughs) Literally gave you the easy one. We're almost done. So that leads to up. Carl is forced to give up his house to Corporation B&L because they are expanding the city. This is foreshadowing. This corporation is the cause for polluting the earth and wiping out life in the distant future as the earth and as the earth. Wait, as a result of technology, technology overreach, Carl discovers that animals can communicate with humans and sees the bitterness that they have. Years later, the uprising between animals and humans begin. Who do you think won that? Jenny, I'm not even I'm just telling asking Jenny on this. No, because I keep getting it wrong. Wally. I'm just, my answer is Wally for everything. Wally for everything the, the, the answer is incorrect. <laughs> the answer is cars. Oh, but to be fair, I never saw cars. I actually have not seen cars. But you know they're all cars here. It's all literally machines. Yes, disclaimer. Disclaimer, yes. Machines. So when the animals rose up against the humans to stop the pollution, the machines saved the humans and they won the war. However, since machines helped humans win it, it tipped the balance on Earth. Machines B&L had to uh, send the remaining humans off into spaceship called Axiom. 
all of the major other machines were left behind to populate the world. What movie follows, Jennifer, that they send these humans, <laughs> BNL sends humans to another planet? Wally. Yes, we finally got to Wally. Um, Earth has been. Who had time to write all of this out? This is great. This is fantastic. Uh, Wally, Earth has become uninhabitable for hundreds of years due to BNL. The corporation took over the world's government starting in the 1950s. Wally is the only machine left on Earth after it ran out of resources. He survived because he is fascinated with human culture and his friendship with a cockroach, which helped maintain his personality and fulfillment. Robot machines on Axiom show that machines develop a sense of purpose out of humans' dependence on them. Wally is a robot Jesus, and he and he and his love, the appropriately named Eve, save the human race and start the new beginning on Earth again. During the credits of Wally, we see that a shoe that contained the last plant life, and it grows into a mighty tree, which leads into mighty tree. Come on, Jenny, you got this. Oh, a, no. a bug's life. A bug's life. Oh, We've bug's literally life. been in that tree. <laughs> yes, we have in Disney World. Yes. Mm-hmm. That same plant we see in Wally grew to be a tree in a bug's life. Insects have no longer have a longer lifespan in a bug's life. Prior to Wally, an ant can just oh. last three months. However, in a bug's life, these ants all survive an entire summer and allude to uh, be around 90 years old. This indicates that ants are sturdier and as a result of evolution and mutated genes. Another ant elf uh, tells Flick not to leave the island because there are snakes, birds, and bigger bugs out there. They do not mention humans because there are very few humans to make dangerous enough uh, for insects to worry about. However, one kid allegedly the wings off a homeless bug later in the distant future animals start evolving into the dominant species which finally leads into good dinosaur incorrect <laughs> monsters inc monsters inc well we'll start with monsters university so animals started changing due to radiation caused by bnl so now the monsters oh, are turning into the goodness. hulk <laughs> these animals evolved into monsters and accidentally wipe humans off the face of the planet monsters university was founded in the year 1313 this is dated using the monsters calendar not the humans calendar uh, at monsters university they falsely taught the monsters that humans were toxic and from another dim- dimension this is because monsters were worried about humans about being a race of existence and altering history, which finally leads to Monsters, Inc., where monsters and machines didn't realize their mistake of getting rid of humans until it was too late. They eventually realized that humans were the source of energy and needed to sustain life. Machines helped solve that by letting monsters use doors to time travel to human generation. This leads us to Boo, and this is the Pixar theory. (laughs) how onward or or soul i think fits in here nicely but it does i think there's a lot that we've gotten since then that's crazy so i'm curious if anyone the guy that did this is ever going to update this because this is just like this looks like it takes a lot of time yeah jenny this guy was definitely smoking weed when he wrote this all right cool um yeah now let's get to our list so we decided to rank every single Pixar movie, starting from all 24, um, starting from the bottom, working our way to the top. This was actually relatively easy for me. Leo, was this easy for you? Yeah, for the most part. I, I knew where my tops were going to be. And Same. then there were a few 
a few that maybe I, I kind of didn't, I had a trouble time like sorting through, but for the most part, it was, it was a fairly straightforward uh, list. This feels like Marvel. Like the top tier is easy. The bottom is easy. It's the middle that you kind of mess around with. Jenny? Yeah, it was pretty easy. I mean, I made this list like 10 minutes before we went live. So, <laughs> so Jenny always you know, coming in prepared. Like, when you start listing it, you know whatever you know your favorites. You know the ones that are always at the top of your list, no matter what, and you can spew out. But then there's always the ones that you know either you haven't seen yet, which I do have, and that the ones I haven't seen, to be honest, are at the bottom of my list. Okay. Um, it's not many, but it there's a few, so they were already at the bottom because I I didn't find it fair to rank those if I hadn't seen them, and. Uh, and then the other ones were kind of like just piecing together, like, how did you feel? How did they make you feel? Where did they fall? Including um, the one we just saw on Friday, Luca. Perfect. So I, what I'll do is I'm going to name my – I'm just going to do one by one from the bottom. And you can guys tell me if we're right or – I mean if we agree or disagree. And then you can name your, your number here. So my coming in last, I have Cars 2. I think Cars 2 is actually the only Pixar movie that I think is bad. Like, it, I think it's relatively bad. When you have Larry the Cable Guy's lead, I, uh, I'm out. Uh, is that your last, Leo? Uh, so, much like Jenny, I have like the ones I didn't watch as well. Like, the, whole, the whole Cars franchise is 21 through 24. So okay. Think, so, like, yeah, I guess. From what I've heard, Cars 2 is the worst it's, of the bad. It's terrible. So. Yeah, it's terrible. Jenny, you too? So I actually put Brave as 24 only because I haven't watched Brave. Oh, okay. <laughs> and I haven't watched Brave. And then Cars 1, 2, and 3 were my 21 through 23 Okay, because so, I haven't watched them. So Those I'll, are the only four Pixar movies that I've never seen. So I'll skip you guys for that, and I'll just do my 23 through 21. <laughs> then. So uh, 23 for me is Brave. I don't. I didn't like it at all. Uh, I think it's an okay. I think it's I think it's a well-made movie, but I think it's one of the worst animated picture winners in Oscar history. I think it's um, twenty-two is the Good Dinosaur. Uh, it's cute, but I don't think it has lasting power. Uh, twenty-one up is where I think they're all mostly good to really good. It's a iconic. So twenty-one is a Bug's Life. Um, I've grown to like it a lot more. I used to not like it too much, but 21, uh, the movie has grown on me, especially since going to that Disney show has kind of like elevated it for me. So that's my 21. My 20, ironically, is Cars 3. (laughs) Um, What do you have for your 20, Leo? So of the ones that I have watched, I think my least favorite, I wouldn't say the bad one, but my least favorite is The Good Dinosaur. Okay. Jenny? So I actually have a Bugs Life as twenty, and I have the Good Dinosaur as nineteen for me. I haven't switched. I have Bugs Life. It as was like, kind of yeah, because yeah. yeah. I, I like a Bugs Life, but then I did like a good the Good Dinosaur, but it wasn't enough. And I, I agree. I don't know that there's enough standing power there for it to be a movie that I would watch over and over again. So it was definitely towards the bottom of my list. Alrighty, my number nineteen is Cars One. Leo, what do you got there? My number oh number nineteen is a Bugs Life. Okay. Jenny, but that was a good dinosaur, right? The good dinosaur, yes. Cool. All righty. My number 18, I think this is where I may get some hate, but it's okay. Um, my number 18 is Finding Dory. Me too. So that's me too. Oh, that's fantastic. <laughs> um, Actually, I was kind of bo- like, I love Finding Nemo and I love Dory. 
Like, I love that character. So I was really excited for what the sequel would be. But then it wasn't like, it wasn't as good as I thought it would be. So I didn't I, hate it, but it wasn't. Yeah, I liked it, but I didn't love it. I, yeah. Same for you, Leo. I like Pretty it. Pretty much. But... Yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean like, don't get me wrong. Like, just like the sequel thing in general, I'm like, all right, let's see how this goes. You you have to have like, because like Toy Story did the sequel game pretty well. Uh, but like with Finding Nemo and, and then Finding Dory, I'm like, what what can you really contribute to the story that's going to make it like expand it? And I think Dory was good, but I don't know if it really made me love Nemo anymore. Agreed. Uh, my number 17 is the brand new Disney Pixar release, Luca. Oh, cool. We don't share this one. Okay, great. No. So um, I'll wait till we get to the last person to talk about to Luca. Uh, Leo, what's your 17? So here's where I put Brave. I put okay. Brave in here. Jenny? I put Soul. What? <sighs> it's new. It's a new. Yeah. I liked it. I did like it, but I, I like everyone one through 16 more, but I've, I've had, I've, uh, with the exception of Luca, I've had the ability to spend more time with the other ones. So mm-hmm. one through 15, let's say I've had more, a longer length of time than soul. It's not to say that soul wouldn't go back up on that list. Cause I did enjoy it. And I, and I liked it. I love the cast. I love the story behind it. Um, but right now, since it's still kind of fairly new, it's 17 for me. Jenny's gonna and get when I compare so it to bad. the next, when I get compared to the next Pixar release that we just saw, I kind of like that one a little more. Jenny's gonna get so mad, so so no, mad. No, not go ahead. All right. Um, what was yours, uh, Leo? Seventeen. Uh, Seventeen was brave for me. Okay, great. Sixteen. I have a movie that um I've grown to really really love, Monsters University. Oh. Yeah, I. That's I, fine. Oh, great. Yeah, I love Monsters University. I think it's uh, at first I didn't it. I was like, oh, this sequel seems useless. But I just love Billy Crystal. I think Billy Crystal's so hilarious and like anything he does. Um, I recently I liked it because they were in college and it yeah. was like the whole frat sorority yeah. thing. And yeah. it was like my connection to it. And Absolutely. and John Goodman's the best. I did want I, I actually I was talking about Billy Crystal. I was watching uh, City Slickers. Have you guys seen City Slickers? Oh, that's a classic. Wow. No. You haven't seen City Slickers, Jennifer? No. I hate it because then David, if I tell David I haven't seen it, he's going to make me watch it next weekend. You know, City Slickers has like, you know how Billy Crystal has a lot of great dad jokes? Yeah. And Bruno Kirby, there's like a quick joke in the movie that Bruno Kirby dates um, um, younger women in the movie. And they're on the plane and Billy Crystal's like, he's like you keep dating these younger women. They kept, the older you get, the younger they, the younger they get. Soon you'll be dating sperm, and it's so hilarious because it's such a dad joke. And I, I think I'm ready to be a dad because like duh, these <laughs> these these jokes crack me up. Um, so yeah, Monsters University, love that the the college environment to it. Number fifteen is The Incredibles Part Two, for me. Leo, what do you got? So for sixteen, I went onward. Okay. And for fifteen, I went Ratatouille. Nice. Jennifer? So low. But it's okay. Not everyone <laughs> loves Ratatouille the way I do. Yeah. Um, so my 15 is actually Toy Story 2 for me. <laughs> Your list is... Mm. No, my list is totally fine. Your David. list is wonderful. We have a right to, every, we have a right to have a, an opinion that's not yours. Okay? <laughs> uh, yeah, Toy Story 2. I don't know why. I've never... 
I don't know. You have Toy Story, and it's great. And I don't hate two, but I love three and four a little more. So it's, for me, the second one is kind of just filling, filler. Whoa. Um, <laughs> sorry, Dave. So 15 is Toy Story 2 for me. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. All righty. Number 14 for me is Onward. Oh. Yeah, I uh, do, do like the story of, uh, you know, the father son relationship plus the brother the the relationship between the two brothers i just this is where i think it's too new i kind of need to rewatch cuz it didn't have the brother. impact that uh soul did on me and i'll get to that in a little bit what's your 14 uh leo ironically soul i have oh, soul in nice. 14 yes i have soul in 14 um I, again i think you guys are hitting it right on the head with like the the time will tell if how this ends up like aging um, I thought it was super heartfelt. I liked a lot of like the, the, the casting options and it was a very different protagonist in the story. Um, like an older, yeah. you know, black man. I'm like, Oh, interesting. Like this, but I think it, it hit the heartstrings at the right point about like unfulfilled dreams and, and careers. Um, but yeah, but for me, I put, I put, uh, I put it, I put it at a 14 cause I think above it, I think are the ones that just had so much like time there. That's like, it's tough to take them out. Jennifer. So I actually put Luca as 14. I really enjoyed it. I thought the animation was fun. I thought the story was fun. Uh, very much, you know, in the beginning when he's collecting the items, I was like, oh, Little Mermaid connection there. Um, I just thought it was really good. And I love Julia um, of another nice female lead. I love the friendship between the two guys, um, between Luca and I forgot the guy's name now, the other friend. Abedo. And so, like, and then just, like, the Italian coast is, like, gorgeous. We went there on a honeymoon, so, like, to see that animated was really nice. Um, makes me want to go to Italy again. Um, and just, you know, the whole thing of, like, you know, being somewhat letting go of your fears, right? And silencing that overthinking and that whatever. And so that whole, like, silencio Bruno was, like, so much fun. And just, like, yeah, so it was cute. That was my 14. Cool. Yeah, I love Luca. I thought it was I thought it was more on the lower end, but it's still a very good movie. I just think because it didn't make me cry. I'm like, Pixar needs to get punished for that. I need to cry <laughs> every Pixar movie. Uh, so my number 13 is Soul. So now we get to the after the this is all the big boys, I think. Like for me, I think Soul with everything we went through last year, I think it was a perfect like bookend to like terrible year everyone had where you kind of, you know, you look at your mortality and kind of question what the afterlife will bring you. Did we accomplish everything? Did we not accomplish everything? Um, I love the jazz aspect of that film. So that added to it. Um, the only reason it's a little lower right now is because I think it's fantastic. It was like number six or seven. But the whole switching of characters like jamie fox turning into a cat that like that was like uh, you know they could have not done that but it doesn't take away from the greatest of the movie and it's one of the best scores pixar's ever ever had uh so yes my 13 leo what do you got uh so one that you both already named on your list but it was higher on mine is monsters university yes and i think jenny i was so excited that you were gonna be on this episode because i'm like (laughs) that greek that greek life it's like that greek life part of like this movie i'm like wow it's like the different stereotypes and okay yeah. being like the little loser fraternity. And it was like, 
it was cool. I, I really, really dug it so much when I watched it. And I think just anyone that has any experience being in a fraternity or sorority can can understand that type of click mentality and how important it was when you were in school. In competitions or like raising money for charity, like different things. Like it all it all goes yeah. into it. Jenny? Uh, so my number 13 was Onward. Onward. I thought it was it thought it was cute the story with the brothers and the whole thing with the dad and I love the strong like fierce mom trying to find her sons and like you know being her own kind of warrior there. Um, I think I mean I would even say that this is probably one of probably the only Pixar movie that has well Andy has a father his father's no. around no no right no but did he die. They never mention. They never specify. It's undisclosed. Okay, well, here she's a single mom. So for all the single moms, I thought it was nice. There was some representation there. Um, and, you know. Well, Andy, Andy, Andy's mom. Yeah, but we don't know if she was a purely single mom because I think there was a dad. He there just was wasn't never, really. There was never a dad. Okay, well. But they didn't say his dad died. They didn't say. His no, that's true. Divorced. Yeah, that's I'm true. I'm talking about like. Really single mother here. Like, no, I get you. All right. So, uh, anyway, David, don't take it away from me. Number twelve. Uh, this will be a lot lower than most people have it. I have Finding Nemo at twelve. Ooh. Yeah, or so I, I thought I thought I put mine low, but yeah. Yeah, on recent rewatch, I think it's fantastic. But on recent rewatch and everything else on my list, it's kind of mm-hmm. dropping in terms of what the movie makes me feel like I feel I still think it's fantastic but it doesn't make me feel what the other movies make me feel so um yeah Finding Nemo still great but just outside the top 10 Leo what do you got for 12 my numero doce is actually uh in my opinion like the like we talked about like the single mother but the family unit and one of the better fathers in cinema <laughs> um Incredibles 2 I nice. put as my my number twelve. Yeah, I just something. It's funny because like that. Out of all the sequels, Toy Story had the most like expected and anticipated was Incredibles too. Yeah, because there was yeah. so much time between that first and that sequel that right. I think like, and it didn't let down honestly. And I think that was like one of the things that like I remember like, oh, you know what? Like this could be a letdown if the movie's not as good as the first one. But Jack Jack's <laughs> progression. I yeah, think, yeah. I just loved it. Agreed. Alrighty, so next up. Wait. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Sorry, Jennifer. Inside Out. I put Inside Out. Wow, that's low. That is so low. That is so low. (laughs) Everything else. So Inside Out is great, though. I love it. Um, I think it was a really unique story to really see these emotions and these things. and, And I think anyone could relate to what she's going through and and all these feelings and obviously like amy poehler love her um so yeah so that's my number 12 cool my number 11 is toy story 2 um which is the worst of the toy stories which is not even saying it's bad because i still think toy story 2 is great um i don't think i i think it carries the first sign of where we end up in toy story 4 because you never this is the first time you see Woody question his existence and where he really does belong and i think the bow on that story we get in another movie uh but i do love this one for introducing new characters and i love the low key star wars 
um, storyline going on with uh, Zerb being Buzz Lightyear's quote unquote dad. That's a that's a good, that's a great little joke. Um, and I just love when Buzz is a serious Buzz, like he thinks he's a real space ranger. It's hilarious to me. Uh, so yeah, that's my number eleven. Uh, Leah, what do you got? So actually, I disagree with you, and I know we definitely have had this conversation. I think Toy Story Four is the worst Toy Story, and okay. I have four as my number eleven. Um, uh, yeah, yeah, for some reason, it's still fantastic, though. Like, it's still like, like top eleven. Uh, but yeah, something about Toy Story Four. I, I still am one of those like it's not really necessary. We really just went back to the well just one last time, no reason. Um, but I mean, Keanu Reeves is all you guys got to say. <laughs> So my number 11 is Toy Story 4 also. Um, I liked it. I enjoyed it. Again, did we really need another Toy Story? But I, I thought it was I thought it was interesting. I think now this sort of I mean, I do not want a Toy Story 5. We don't need a Toy Story 5. Mm-hmm. Toy Story 4 wrapped it up for everybody. Um, I think, you know, you gave Woody a nice happy ending. I think everyone sort of fulfilled their purpose for the most part. Like you have everybody end in a good place. Um, I did love the, the introduction of, cause Forky was in four, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I love Forky. I love Tony Hale and his work. So I was excited for him to be in it. Um, and I think that gave kids, I think that gave kids like a new character to really go for cause they loved it. Um, and for a lot of these kids, toy story four may be their first toy story too, actually. Well, I mean, no. you know, if you went to the theaters and you saw this one first and then you go on, go yeah, home I guess and go you're on right. Disney plus and you watch the other ones, yeah. that's, that's, that's their, that's bad parent. That, that's bad. The bar, the bar is kind of low and then you watch the great ones and it's like, Oh, that, wow. that's just bad parenting. Well, to a kid, I feel like to a kid, they're all on the same level, right? And then it's like, then it becomes greater the more you watch it, the more whatever. And then, like, as you get older, then you start to realize certain things. But, like, I feel like as a kid, everything is sort of on that same playing field. I mean, I love The Little Mermaid. I love Beauty and the Beast. Like, I watch those over and over again. Aladdin, Lion King, like, those were staples. But at the time that I was watching them, I just watched them because I loved them and I liked watching them over and over and over again. To me, now I can rank them as higher lower whatever but you know all right so that was number 11 was toy story 4 cool so my number 10 is ratatouille um wow you love it a lot too jeez well yeah i i just love the originality of it for the time because at the time we were kind of just dealing with what what new things can pixar give us and ratatouille came along and i just thought it was just a fresh take on um Little, having little animals as as your lead because Bugs Life came out and we were like, okay, this is good, but what can they really do? And I think this is the only other Pixar movie at that time that had a little animal as the lead, right? Looking at everything here, yeah, because you had Monsters, Inc., but those are monsters. So I think – and then right. find, oh, was Finding Nemo first? Or was Ratatouille first? I think first? Ratatouille came before Finding Nemo, but Finding Nemo no, was no, just Finding Nemo was first. Okay, so I, I apologize. I apologize. Four years later was Ratatouille. Okay, yeah. So Ratatouille comes out, and I just like the whole concept of the city, too. The city adds a lot to the... For an animated yeah. film that the city is a character, it just shows how great that movie is. Um, I don't love it as much as Jenny. Jenny, like, lives by this movie. But, uh, yeah, Ratatouille, my number 10. Uh, Leah, what do you got? 
Yeah, from one talking animal to the other, yeah, Finding Nemo is my number 10. Nice. And I think it's one that, like, I it's, it's tough to even, like, remember how much of a juggernaut this movie was it was like it huge. was it was frozen level hype behind this after and and it, it's staying power was fantastic um and while it, it may not be like the one of the ones that like touched me the most i still remember that like it impacted pixar's this power <laughs> at that point very much so jenny so my number 10 is wally <laughs> oh you're breaking my heart <laughs> i quit I quit. I know, but it's like... I quit. It's such a great movie, but it's so sad. It's, like, very heartbreaking. He's by himself, and then, like, all the people are just, like, these slugs, and it just, like, I mean, it just shows you, like, honestly, I think I want to say, like, Wally is probably definitely one of the most, like, spot-on Pixar movies, because it really does show you what a future could be that is more in our, like, closer than we think because of climate change and because of technology and because of people being lazy and and all of these things. So, I feel like it's more realistic to what could happen, and I think it's it was visionary in the sense of seeing that far ahead when it came out in 2008, and we're now in 2021, and we're, like, nearing the end of the world I don't know you know like it's just it's it's scary but it's just so sad he's by himself until he's not but then in the meantime and he's so cute um so I do love it but it you know it's my top 10 guys that was heartbreaking my number nine is toy story four so I'm gonna I'm gonna <laughs> touch up you and I literally just swapped our Toy Stories into like the two I'm, and four. I'm going to talk about the blasphemous things you guys just laid on Toy Story 4 that I do not appreciate. <laughs> um, so why I why rank it higher, we talked about like Woody is like always questioning like his true belonging. So why, what I like about Toy Story 4, the first thing I want to touch on while Jenny has left us. So I am talking to just Leo, even though I want to address her as well. <laughs> so I'm just going to talk about the things I didn't that you guys didn't talk about um the aspect of bringing a new character love that i i actually did like the um um the forky stuff the credit to the shining they had a little reference David, to the shining to, i have my headphones in i oh, heard that's, you that's fantastic so i so i can now talk about the the aspects of like you said do we really need it so i was with you i remember that we spoke about this many times the fact that do we really need it and i said no uh, originally, I was like, it ended perfectly with the third one. But um, looking at it and, and with 2020 hindsight, with Toy Story 3, Toy Story 3 put an end to Andy's story and never ended the Toy Story. So in retrospect, when we look at the four movies together, you have part three, which really culminates Andy's story. And then Toy Story 4 is what culminate Woody and Buzz's story that's when you come full circle when you're closing both arcs so Toy Story 3 never really did that and we thought even then that was perfect but now looking at it I'm like okay now we get closure to Woody's story he is finally where he wants to be we get Buzz's Buzz is where he needs to be he needs to be the leader of the toys so I think we everything comes full circle in Toy Story 4 and I think why and I cried like a baby when they said their final goodbyes and and they both said to infinity and beyond together i yeah i i love toy story 4 um 
But yeah, that's my number nine. Uh, Leah, what do you got? My number nine is Toy Story 2. <laughs> oh, wow. We literally alternated in the same spots. Yeah, we yeah. just swapped. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so Toy Story 2, I think, was just another – it was um, like it was a sequel. And I was like, oh, it, it actually did help to expound and just to flesh out this universe of toys. Like I, I until Toy Story 2, I just thought that's it. Toy Story 1 was a good movie and that's it. Um, but like the introduction of Jesse – and um, and like you said, that whole that whole uh, um, the, the Star Wars allusions to like to 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 the father. Um, overall, yeah, I, I just I, I remember really really enjoying it. I haven't rewatched it in a while, but I just still remember that it it didn't it didn't bum me out too much. Four I thought was unnecessary, but you made a really eloquent case on why it's not. I try. Um, but two I thought was like you know, we wouldn't have gotten three if we didn't care about the people through two. Jenny. So my number nine is Probably, The Incredibles 2. I thought it was going to be like Toy Story 1 or something, knowing Jenny's list so far. <laughs> no, it's Incredibles 2. It was so good. Um, I think I think it helped in a way that it was spaced so far apart because it really got to build that anticipation and that excitement. And I think they came back with an original story a continuance without making it feel like all this time had passed either. Um, and I, yeah, Incredibles 2 was incredible. Nice. All righty. Moving, moving on. Uh, my number eight is Monsters, Inc. Uh, everything about it. The chemistry when Goodman and Billy Crystal is fantastic throughout. Um, and just Boo. Boo is the most adorable little baby in the history of so Pixar. Uh, everything about it really works for me. Even the villain works. And Jenny's alter ego is in that movie? Jenny, you want to tell Leo who your That's alter ego is? That's not my alter ego, who's your, David. Who's your alter ego? Isn't her name Roz? Ra. Uh, so, yeah, knowing that Jenny's in this movie, uh, Billy Crystal's in this movie, <laughs> John Goodman's in this movie, it definitely holds a place uh, for me in the top eight. Uh, Leo, what do you got? So my number eight is definitely a movie that the two of you are gonna have way higher on your list. Like it's, it's, you, you two probably have the top top three. Oh, um, I know, a, I know what you're gonna say, and it's in my top five. I already know what it is. So it's a movie I didn't see until after Jenny and David's wedding, um, and they played a scene from this movie that was freaking heartbreaking. Well, we didn't play that that well, part. No, I cut it before the heartbreak. Yeah, you cut it right there. And, and I'll be honest, like I, I had heard so much about this opening and I had heard so much about how fantastic the movie was um, that when I finally saw it, I mean, I, I thought it was beautiful. Um, and that opening, I think is probably the, one of the most like emotionally charged openings of cinema, let alone animation. Um, but the rest of the movie, I'm like, I thought it was okay. Um, yeah. So I'm going up as my number eight. Yeah. No, I, I will touch on it a little bit later. Jenny, what's your eight? So my number eight is also Monsters Inc. Good taste for you, but you're making yeah, up. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> I think I think this may be higher for Leo. Uh, my number seven is Coco. Yeah, it's higher yeah. for me too. Yeah, so I'll let you guys talk about it, and I'll touch base on that. Uh, what's your number seven, Leo? Monsters Inc. <laughs> oh, okay, great. No, we were right, we were right there, we were right there. The monsters, thing, yeah. To me, like everything you guys just said, especially it just it, like freaking Boo. Like Boo is the is the tiebreaker 
for for what, what why I love Monsters Inc. So that's much. that was me and Jenny. Like Jenny is the tiebreaker with Monsters Inc. Every time I watch it and I see her in it, she just like she should have won an Oscar. Jenny, you're up. <laughs> My number seven is uh, Finding Nemo. I love Finding Nemo. It was I saw that in theaters. Um, I just thought it was so cute. Marlon trying trying to protect Nemo. He can't control everything. He couldn't. Nemo trying to set out on his own and his own adventure, and then he got gets caught up. And then meeting all the different characters. I love that this was just like this fun little universe in itself. Then you have the danger from the little girl. I forgot her name now. Um, and then you know trying to get him home. And then Dory was like a highlight. Um. And yeah, I mean, overall, I think the the animation and Squirt Squirt was my favorite. Squirt Squirt's my number one. Yeah. Um, and I was just like, you know, it's fun because you were also it was also it also felt very educational in a way because I feel like a lot of kids got to be introduced to like all these different animals and little fun facts and knowing turtles surf and they can do this and they live so long and like so it had those educational aspects that weren't like too preachy where you were talking down and boring and like watching like a nature documentary but you got to learn some new things nice um my number six is inside out um i think this movie touches on not just it it's a great piece in teaching not just kids but adults like about emotions and how to control your emotion and sometimes be i think the biggest takeaway for me with with inside outside of like it being great is the fact that um it's okay to be sad sometimes and people like always try to just be happy go lucky all the time but i think the movie shows like the sadness importance and um lotso that's uh not lotso um bing bong bing bong that bing bong death is still bing bong death oh my lord so sad very sad very sad but yeah that's my six leo what do you got so you were right slightly higher i have coco as my number six okay and i and I think just just like how you guys mentioned, like the the rich Italian um, heritage in Luca, and like the 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 whole craziness with like in the Heights, um, yeah, like Coco was was a cute one, even though it was about Mexican heritage and like the El Dia de los Muertos. Like um, I'm El Salvadorian, but a lot of like the visuals of like what it looks like just reminded me of home, and uh, and it was very very it's a very cute story, fantastic catching music, um, which is I mean it's. Good music oh, and tears. <laughs> it's it's a perfect yes. Pixar film. <laughs> Jenny. So my number six is The Incredibles. The Incredibles. Yep, yep. So good. <sighs> oh, man. Um, sorry, Dave. I have. You already know what like my top three are. If by now <laughs> you don't know, you know. I, think I he do. Wants uh, you to have like you want to have like five movies tied for number one. <laughs> yeah, like. This is great, Dave. This is why we're not we are not the same person. We That's... don't have to be the same person because we share the same last name. Yes. Uh so yes, the Incredibles. Alrighty. And then rounding out the top five here, um, I have the first film to ever be the first Pixar film to ever receive a Best Picture nomination at the Academy Awards. Up. Um so we all mentioned the opening. I think the greatness of that opening is the fact that we don't know any of these characters in the opening, and it still makes us cry within the first 10 minutes of the movie. Shows the effective, effective, effectiveness of the movie. I can't talk right now. Um, You're getting choked th- up, aren't you? You're no, up just thinking no, about it. Just, not just thinking about the scene. Um, well, if you think about it, right, that whole opening in itself could be a short, yeah. right? Yeah. And yeah. it could be, and it's enough storytelling to tell in those first 10 minutes, seeing their friendship and seeing their life together, and then 
how it ends. And it, yeah. it I mean, that would have been a short that would have broke me too. And so, it would have won awards even as a short. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So the movie I see what you I see what you mean. Like the movie never gets to that greatness again. I do agree with you, Leo, on that. But I do think that there is still some emotional heart to the movie because you see Carl finally realizing that you don't have to go to where they plan to always keep Ellie with you. And then you kind of see that at the end where he gives um oh my god, why am I drawing a blank on his name right now? Um Kevin, no, Kevin, no, Kevin, Kevin, Kevin's, no, Kevin's the, the bird. Kevin's Doug the bird. Uh, Doug is the dog. Yeah, and oh my God, Jenny, this doesn't this doesn't help the fact that you're trying to say it's a, <laughs> it's a fantastic story if you forget the name of the main ca- one of the main characters. Well, the little boy. Um, <laughs> Hold on. Oh my God, Russell, Russell. Russell. Here you go. So when Ellie get uh, Carl gives Ellie the Russell uh, the. Gives Ellie Russell the badge. Ellie badge at the end. I think yeah. that's a really impactful full circle for the character as well. So, yeah, that's my five. I'm just going to run through for the sake of time. I'm just going to run through yeah. the five. Uh, my number four through two. Uh, number four for me is The Incredibles. It's the greatest Fantastic Four movie of all time. Uh, nothing has touched it since. I think it's actually one of the best superhero films of all time. I think it does a great job of establishing character development of who these, these heroes are, why they're not heroes anymore. And it kind of, I like that the movie starts that they're down on their luck. Like they're not heroes and eventually builds up to the culmination where they are together as a family and as heroes. Uh, my number three is a movie that should have been nominated for best picture. It, uh, one animated film, uh, feature and it is a movie that if Stanley Kubrick were to make an animated film it would be Wally. Okay, I could see that. So you the movie has minimal dialogue. The movie yeah. is all about the art of what you're watching. You're watching a world that is falling apart. There's so many there's themes of climate change which Jenny loves to, you know, you know talking about all the time uh so it talks about climate change it talks about how we are our worst enemies it just touches on so many themes and at at the end of the day you know it also talk talks about loneliness and jenny mentioned how sad it is that he's by himself and what love does to that loneliness i mean the movie touches on so many rich themes that i understand why people have a hard time with it because there is such little dialogue in the movie but the movie is telling you more than some movies that actually have dialogue in so Wally's my number three, and then my number two is the one that started it all, Toy Story 1. I mean, what can be said? Toy Story is an absolute classic. Uh, everything about it, if it wasn't for Toy Story, we wouldn't be here today. So that's my five through two. And Leo, what's your five through two? Yeah, five through two, I have exactly what you said. Number five is The Incredibles, the greatest Fantastic Four movie never made. <laughs> <laughs> um, my number four is Toy Story 3. Um, I think that that was a fantastic bookend to the movie. Toy Story 4 added some stuff to it, but I think Toy Story 3 would have been like a fantastic ending. Um, my number three is Inside Out. Nice. Uh, just, just alone for the Bing Bong stuff. Like any, it's funny because Toy Story 3 and Bing Bong dying in Inside Out are like, for a man child like myself, the death of your childhood on, 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 like, on screen was like traumatizing both times. Um, and my number two is the one that started it all, uh, Toy Story. Nice. Jenny? This is where David divorces me again uh, <laughs> on this on another week of Real Chronicles. Uh, my number five is Toy Story. Oh, my God. 
Wow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know. My I number four. Jenny doesn't like happiness. No, it's not that, but I love all these other stories a little bit more. I don't know. I resonate a little bit. Well, okay, I guess I can't resonate with my number one. Quote, yeah, if you resonate with your number one, I really am worried. But, um, but <laughs> I know I know her number one. I've known her for years, yeah. but if, if she resonates with her number okay. one, Leo, I may get divorced. Anyway, my but number five is Toy to Story. What? My number four is Toy Story 3 because... Especially it came out when we were graduating college and the end of childhood and like just the story. I bawled. To, uh, I cried. I, okay, let's be fair here. Besides my number one, I've cried in these next picks that I've had. So Toy Story 3 it was just emotional. That ending, I think it wrapped it up. If we didn't have Toy Story 4, I was fine with Toy Story 3 being the ending. Um, so it was great. Number three, Coco. I think, you know, yes, it's Mexican heritage, but even just being Latin, there was so yeah. much there. The music in it was great. The colors, the vibrancy, the culture in it, the appreciation for your elders um, and for and for those that have come gone before you and and those ahead of you. Um, I think, you know, this, the whole scene with the grandmother and like uh, just like everything. It was just it was a beautiful movie. It was a beautiful movie. And 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 the music was just great. And so emotional. Also there, too, I cried. Number two is up. Obviously, I cried in the beginning. Um, I love that Carl is voiced by Ed Asner, who I love from especially from his work on the Mary Tyler Moore show. Um, I think they couldn't have cast that voice any better. Um, and then just the whole story between Carl and Ellie in the beginning. And then, you know, the whole end when, you know, he realizes that she marked him as her greatest adventure. And it was just like, Oh my God, it was beautiful. And then, yeah, we'll get to my number one. Um, yeah. So my number one is toy story three. I think, um, I think Toy Story 3 is the closest thing to a perfect animated movie. I think there's um, – you touch on the fact that this is the closing chapter. We were all graduating college at the time, so it was one yeah. of those, like, it really is a closing chapter. The only, you know, I'll get into what made me cry in a second. Only beef I had, and I think Leo will agree with me on this, is Andy Ridley didn't need to give these toys away. I just want to point nope. that out. It's not like there were that many. It was like, what, like six or seven of them? He could have kept... Go ahead. As, as two grown-ass men with hundreds of toys in yes. their respective apartments and, and homes. Yes. Like, we're like, what are you doing, Andy? What are you doing? Like, these are collectibles. You can exactly. Put them up on. <laughs> like, in 2010, I even in 2010, I was like, because I wasn't into... I had, like, a few collectibles, but nothing crazy. Like, even then, I was like... Well, it's not that many things. He probably could have kept them. <laughs> now, as a grown man who could, like who buys all this shit, I'm like, he really could have just left it in the attic. Like it could have been okay. Like there's, it wouldn't have taken up a lot, a lot of space. But to the emotional aspect, it wouldn't have had the emotional impact that it did. Uh, actually, what made me cry the most wasn't when you thought they were gonna die. Was when Andy played with them for the last time. Yes. that's what really made me cry because it was like an end of an era type of thing. But I think also t- the movie really dives into what the future holds, like the future as a whole. And I think it touches on those themes with Andy and it touches on the themes with the toys. Like we don't know what's going to happen. And I think it does a great job establishing that message. Also, the only other Pixar film to be nominated for best picture is Toy Story three. And it was also nominated for uh, original uh, adapted screenplay. Um, 
the ending itself is I think it's one of the best movie endings of all time. I like you guys said I think it's it, to me it's a perfect movie. I think that movie is fantastic. Everything about it works for me. And yeah, that is my number uno. I know I know Jenny's, so I'm going to leave Leo last cuz I I I want Jenny to say what how she relates to this. Go ahead. <laughs> I've lost track of the movies. I thought Up was going to be her number one. No. What's left? Get ready for this so one. My, my, <laughs> my number one is Ratatouille. Oh, come on. <laughs> um, oh, my God. Like, I've never loved a mouse so much as I love Remy. Um, I don't know if it's also because, like, I just love the way Patton Oswalt also voiced him. Like, I thought the writing was strong. I thought the whole story was so cute. Like, he's trying to... You know, he has a dream of being a chef and like, you know, I think it's a lot of you're born, you know, he's born a rat, right? He knows that this is the role. His family keeps keeping him in this place. He's like, you're a rat. You need to look through garbage. You need to do all this stuff. They're trying to advise him against his dream. And I think I think you can relate to that in the sense of, you know, you're born into your family. You're given a specific role. You're told this is what you should do. This is whatever. Don't dream anymore outside. This is what's practical. This is what's whatever, you know, and like he is fighting for that dream through all these circumstances. He meets someone who is also down on his luck in a way. And like Linguini is like the bottom of the pit right now. And they kind of form this friendship and they work together to help each other. And, and then just the fact that like, yeah, it's just, it's beautiful. It's a beautiful story guys. And (laughs) Paris, Paris is like, beautifully animated as a city i just like i love paris so i think that's also why i have that affinity for it but like he's got a dream man remy has a dream and by the end of the movie he's got his own restaurant he used to for, reward you up know, magazine at, at the bottom linguini's got some shows and then remy has his own restaurant for rats like it's beautiful like when do you really root for a rat like never all the time jenna uh, ninja turtles ninja turtles Splinter. Okay, okay. Uh, yeah. yeah. Thank you, Leo. Thank you. All right. But you know, like in a long time, when have you rooted for a rat? So I don't know. I just like I love it. I love the movie. I just yeah. All right, Leo, close this out. What do you got? Working oh, for man. his dream. So my number one is the greatest love story of our time, and it is Wally. Yay! Um, yeah, no, so it's something about that movie just like and it's funny, Dave, I'm so glad you you identified that that this point. There's so little dialogue. Mm-hmm. Like you fall in love with two little robots that all they can say is like the Wally. same thing. Yeah, it's like this was like the precursor to Groot and how much people like love Groot. Except like, we like we like Wally more than Vin Diesel. <laughs> yeah, no, but just something about like the fact that like, you were able to connect so much with these little characters and they don't really say too much, but you can just tell it with inflections and beeping and gestures. And um and yeah, I just I just loved it so much. Is um there's something about this story of unrequited love and and then perseverance and self sacrifice. Um there's uh yeah, that that's my number one. I'm I, I'll give you guys thanks for not uh shitting on my uh Stanley Kubrick comparison because I I thought you guys were gonna knock me for that one. <laughs> you stretched no, on that one, but that's, I uh, think that's it's a good comparison. Good. I I do agree. I think because of the little dialogue and more of the whole grim nature of of it, and like the despair and the desolation and all that, it feels very Kubrick ish in that, especially in two thousand one Space Odyssey. Yeah. 
this movie is way darker than people give it credit for. Like, it is a very dystopian yeah. society in this it movie. Is. Where it's like, huh. Awesome. So this wraps everything up for this week. Uh, this was a fun one. Uh, next week is not going to be as fun for me, but uh, what must be done is I'm going to be joined with other members of our family as we discuss the Fast and the Furious franchise. <laughs> and uh, we're also going to break down our top 10 of 2021 so far because we're halfway through already um breaking news though and you can find it on our instagram right now the first look at michael keaton as bruce wayne just leaked and i have posted it on social media in the upcoming flash and he looks he has the curly hair back i think i think he's wearing a turtleneck i mean what the (laughs) this is that's that's a dress shirt david that's a dress shirt just let me be woman just let me be He's got a lot more hair now. Yes, yeah, so uh until then see you at the movies kids.